Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And welcome back to the Lay the Points podcast. I am your host, Kendall Caps, alongside Jordan Chiro here. Jordan, training camps finally opened. I know I'm excited. How about you? Very excited. Finally. It's, man, we're in the dog days of summer right now, but it's good to see uh, videos on social media of, uh, of players running on to the practice field and uh, just getting that, uh, that exciting feeling back for NFL football, man. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's, it's funny. I feel like every offseason feels a little bit longer. The wait is just feels like it takes so long. But this is once we get to this point, we're late July. Guys are reporting, just watching Josh Allen signing autographs like, OK, we're getting there. Our preseason football is going to come by in a few weeks. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely got the juices flowing, I'd say. And, and you know, it's exciting because players that have been waiting for contracts and and negotiations happening during the summer, you know, players are signing uh, like Kyler Murray, getting his contract. And, uh, you know, as a 49er fan, I'm just kind of eagerly waiting that uh, that Debo Samuel trade or the Debo Samuel contract extension. I don't know. I'm kind of antsy because I think any day now he's been working out in the Bay Area and posting Instagram videos. His trainer said he's about to get paid. So I'm I'm sure they're just working through that. But, uh, yeah, they need Debo back. He's a a huge part of their uh, success. So uh, hopefully that will come uh, this week, maybe today, maybe even during the podcast. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, you're right. They need him back. I, I get why he, you know, he felt the way he did. He doesn't want his body to break down. He knows more than likely, you know, he sees like Devonte Adams, for instance, who is entering year nine and has been healthy pretty much his entire career and is signing a massive deal and he's not taking near the beating that Debo took last year, having to carry the ball, especially during the second half of the season into the postseason. Um, but at the same time that transformed your offense so much right? and made it so difficult for defenses to stop and to slow down when you could use him like that. So it's such a weird situation, but I think you'll be happy. My guess is that, you know, they'll be able to come to some type of extension and he should be there for a while. Yeah, it's he was. Um, but that's kind of what he does. You know, that's what he's good at. So I think once hopefully he does sign this contract extension, I, I do believe because they did sign another running back um, in the draft in the second round out of LSU. So big bruiser back. So I think that they uh, they will change the game plan up a little bit and not give him so many uh, carries and more um, more. Uh, like receiving route, you know, yards and routes. Yeah, let him play on the outside. He's right. a receiver. But I still think they will use him uh, in packages because they, you know, you kind of have to because he's just so good at it. So hopefully they work that stuff out and um, he's happy and all 49er fans are happy and um, we'll get this, this thing kicked off. But let's just, before we get into the all football, let's just hope and and pray that uh, uh, all the uh, the players stay healthy because during training camps and stuff, you know, um, it's, uh, there's always injuries that happen and, and, and you hate to see guys go down and, and miss a full season, um, or more. So hopefully everybody stays healthy and not a lot of people play a lot in preseason and, uh, no. and, uh, yeah, just get I think after for watching what happened 
you know, last year, the Rams, the last couple of years, not playing almost any starters whatsoever in preseason. Right. Yeah. And then you watch the Ravens get decimated before yeah. the season even begins. We're going to start to see more and more teams not using key names in any preseason games. It's just such a shame when you lose players and important pieces before a season that even gets going. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where we're going. So, you know, how about knowing uh, how excited we are for the start of the season, uh, I know you had looked at some of the stuff, and I took a look at some of the, the NFL over-unders win totals. So mm-hmm. it made perfect sense for our recurring segment, Back to the Futures, and there's a couple Futures bets out there that when I was l- taking a look at them, I really, really liked. Uh, first one, the Washington Commanders, their win total in Vegas, seven and a half. And personally, I really like the over. And here's why. For one, they get to play the NFC East. They get two games against the Giants, which let's face it, that there's a good chance that those are two wins right there. They might split with the Eagles. They might get one from the Cowboys. So there's a few wins to be had in their division. But they play the NFC North and the AFC South, which might be the two worst divisions in football outside of their own division. Um, so they're going to get a relatively easy schedule. And we know that their defense is legit. It's been very good for the last couple of years. And maybe I'm a little higher on Carson Wentz than most people, but I do believe that he is still capable of leading a team to at least close to a 500 season. I mean, what did the Colts finish last year? 10 and 7? And they had, a very, they had a very similar type team to what this Washington team has, but a significantly easier schedule. Um, so for all of that, I, I, I kind of really like them. And plus, you know, Dallas won the division last year. The last time anyone won the NFC East two years in a row was the Eagles back in 2003 and 2004. There's been a different champ every year Wow! until that doesn't happen. I'm guessing Dallas doesn't win it, which also would coincide with everyone's prediction that Dallas is going to take a step back this year. So I think the, 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 the team that everyone looks to is the Eagles because they made a playoff run last year or made it to the playoffs last year and added AJ Brown. They certainly should be much better, but I wouldn't be shocked if Washington was the team that took that division this year. Yeah. Carson Wentz had Frank Wright last year who he, that was his coach, his coach in Philly. Was it in Philly? Philly correct. Yeah, he was the offensive coordinator when they won that Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. So they had that, that connection. I don't, I don't know how he's going to uh, mix with Ron Rivera. Like I like Ron Rivera. I, I don't know. I like, I would turn the other way. Um, I'm not a big believer in the commanders. I know it's like a new era of Washington commanders. Um, so they could kind of feed off, you know, the new era of their, of their team name. But um, I'm not a big believer in Carson Wentz. I think he's an average quarterback, but he, he did not play good at the end of the stretch last year. I mean, they literally, the Colts just needed to beat the Jags on the road to get in the playoffs and couldn't get it done. And he was horrific. So um, I, you know, I, I'm higher on Dallas this year. Like I know they lost uh, Amari Cooper, but I still think Dak is the type of quarterback that can just sling it to so many receivers. Um, I think he's going to have a lot to prove this year. Um, and I think the Eagles, I think they're going to be one of those sleeper teams this year. So, I mean, they could easily, they could easily lose both of those games. They might get one, um, but I could see them losing 
to uh possibly i don't know like it just depends like that team's gonna go as far as carson wentz takes them and i'm just not confident enough that he is going to get them there and he also has had some injuries um in his career too so i don't know like i'm not a big believer i would definitely take the under um on that just because i think uh, even though they play those divisions you know and NFL football every year, there's there's games that you just drop that you shouldn't. So uh, for me personally, I, I'm not a big believer in the commanders. So I would definitely take the under seven and a half. All right. Well, we can agree to disagree there. Uh, but you, it, come January, I'm going to remind you of, of that under that you took there. Okay. All right. Well, let's stay in the NFC East then. And I think this one we probably both agree on. And honestly... I'm shocked. I don't understand how the number is where it is. The Giants win total is also seven and a half. I want to hammer this under as hard as I can. This might might be my favorite futures bet I've come across all year. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what these guys are thinking. Um, That's yeah, that's too high for me for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, to say that the Giants are going to go eight and nine, when yeah. was the last time they won eight games? Six years ago? Seven years ago? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. 2016. Last time that they won. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 2016 was the last time they won more than six. And that, which, was, with, and that was with Eli? Correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I mean, they yeah. were four and 13 last year. And yeah, they had a solid draft, especially in the first round. I loved mm-hmm. the pick of Evan Neal. Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, is going to mm-hmm. be a really good player. Uh, but at the end of the day, in this league, you need to score points. Right. And I don't think they did very much to be able to do that. I mean, maybe they can run the ball a bit more, but Saquon has not looked like the same guy. He broke out and had one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen. Right. And we have not seen that guy since. Well, their offensive and, line last year was bad, bad. Like he had no holes to run through. And then they yeah. leaned on Daniel Jones to carry the team with no receivers. And they still have no receivers. Right. I, I, I just, I'm dumbfounded. Seven and a half seems really, really high. I mean, maybe they're a little bit better. Maybe they get five or six wins this year. Uh, but I don't see how they reach eight. No. No. I mean, the only thing I look at is maybe a factor is Brian Dable that came from Buffalo, the offensive coordinator. But, um, you know, like when you bring in somebody that has a really high powered offense, he's like the head of it. And like you come over to a new team and you think, oh, that's going to translate. Well, um, uh, newsflash, you don't have Josh Allen. You have Daniel Jones and Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So, And you don't have Stephon Diggs. You have Darius Slayton. And- right. And and a bunch of injured guys, their receiving core. I mean, I feel like none of them can play more than four games without going down with an injury. Well, they have Tony, right? Kadarius Tony. Was he the one that cut cut one? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he was their bright spot. Second half of the season. He had like a three game stretch, but again, it was like a short stretch. And then he got hurt also. Yeah. Like everyone got hurt. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, that strength and conditioning coach, I don't know if they still have the same one as they had last year, but I would have suggested that they maybe looked for a change because right. their guys were apparently not very well conditioned. Right. Yeah, that that that's crazy. So I both think that we agree that the Giants will not win over seven and a half games, and we both will hammer the under this season. Correct? Yes. Okay. Well, and speaking of the AFC South, 
the Jacksonville Jaguars, their over-under win total this year sits at six and a half. I know there's a lot of optimism about them coming into this season. They brought in Christian Kirk. They have another year for Trevor Lawrence to to find his groove. And they brought in Doug Peterson, the coach whisper, the quarterback whisperer to try to turn things around. But six and a half still seems like a lot to me for a team that their defense still has a ton of holes. Um, they can't stop the run. I don't think they did enough to address that over the offseason. And there's still so much inexperience in youth on offense that six and a half seems a little high to me. So I really like the under. How about you? Uh, well, you know, I'm going to give some love to the to the Jaguars fans because they've suffered so much. Um, so I'm not going to rain on their on their excitement. You know, ever since Trevor Lawrence has come into the league, he's just he was touted as this amazing quarterback to come into the NFL. And he was going to come into Jacksonville and and just just be a star. I haven't seen it yet. He's had two mediocre years. So maybe this is the season. Maybe Doug Peterson coming in, the quarterback whisper is going to bring out just an amazing uh, just offensive style that will fit Trevor Lawrence, and he will produce at an amazing level, and he'll just surprise you know all the fans this year. So, and then they have their running back that he played with at uh, Clemson. Uh, help me with his name again. Travis ATN Jr. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's a dynamic running back. Unfortunately, he got hurt last year. So he has him back. And they also have James Robinson as well. Um, well remember, not... Robinson tore his Achilles in December. Now, you know, one of the things that's interesting with them, and I agree that ATN is a game-changing back. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he showed so much athleticism and burst in college and playing alongside Trevor Lawrence and having that familiarity, I think will help. And he's going to get plenty of reps right out the gate because Robinson isn't expected back until late this season, if at all. So he's going to get plenty of run. And again, despite his explosiveness, I, I still have some trepidation. You know, the, it's a little bit unfair to just label Trevor Lawrence as a bust after his rookie year where he threw 12 TDs and 17 picks and didn't play very well for most of the season because let's be honest, he didn't have a lot working around him and the team certainly has more pieces and they're better than Houston. I'll give them that. They're not the worst team in their division. So they might be able to sweep those games and their defense, you know, at times looked good. The the game against Buffalo, they were they played outstanding. The final week 18 game against Indianapolis, they played outstanding. They had they had a few games where they they showed they have the talent, but they were woefully inconsistent and had so many games where teams just rolled all over them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like, even though I do see some progression and I do think Lawrence will be better in his second year, it's not going to be enough to get them to 7-10. and 7-10 and 10 is, that would be a big leap. Anytime you can go improve... Yeah. Like they had three wins last year to go from three to seven. That's quite a jump that personally, I'm not willing to, to go that way. So knowing that it's sitting at six and a half, I like the under. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to stay away on this one. Cause I don't know. I want the Jags to succeed, but I just don't know. Like, I don't know how it's going to work. Like sure. They have some pieces on offense and they have a new uh, offensive minded coach, but I don't know how it's going to work. But I'm hoping for the best for Jag fans. But yeah, on that one, I'm just um, staying away. All right. Well, let's go back to the NFC. I know there's one that you do really like. 
Yeah, I was uh, I was looking and I saw the Packers. They're favored to win 11 and a half games. Last year, they won 13. I think people under, are, I think the Vegas uh, odd makers are underestimating the value of Devontae Adams on that team. He was, because my brother's a big Green Bay Packers fan. And I was telling him losing Devontae Adams is going to really hurt that offensive rhythm. Big time because him and Rogers were amazing together. The chemistry that they had. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rogers could throw the ball to Adams with his eyes closed. Like he knew exactly where he was going to be. So, you know, like they took a couple rookie wide receivers. Their number one is Alan Lazard and they lost uh, Valdez Scantling. So, yeah. you know, and they have their two headed monster running backs, but it's just like, I know everyone's looking at Aaron Rodgers, be like, oh, well, it's Aaron Rodgers. And, He'll be able to just carry them to 12 wins. I don't see it. I, you know, like the Packers played pretty well last year and they had 13. So you mean to tell me that they're, that they're going to win, that they're going to lose one game after losing like Devontae Adams? Like, I just don't see it. I, I could see them winning 10, maybe 11, but you know, I looked at their games this year and they should coast um, in the NFC North, but they have some tough games. They play uh, the Bills on the road. They play the Pats. They play um, play the Dolphins on Christmas Day, I believe. The Dolphins on Christmas Day. They play the Titans at home, which is not going to be an easy game. They play the Rams, Rams. away yep. against the Eagles. So you know, Cowboys. It, it, the Cowboys. Yeah. So they don't really have a really soft schedule. I could definitely see them, you know, losing at least two or three of those games, at least. So. I really, really like the under. And, you know, when I saw that 11 and a half, I was like, no way Green Bay is going to win 12. No, like, I just don't see that. Like, unless they just, like, gel really, really well with these rookie wide receivers. But, yeah, I don't see it. I mean, I agree that the loss of Devontae Adams is a lot bigger than most people realize. For the most part of Aaron Rodgers' career, he has always had a legit wide receiver one. Yeah, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, and then Jordy Nelson for a number of years, and then Devontae Adams. And that loss, and like you said, the chemistry between those guys, it there were times the last couple of years where I literally thought to myself, you cannot stop them right. completing a pass. Yeah. It, it it just didn't matter. He he put the ball exactly where he knew he was going to be. He, he's such a good route runner, has such great hands. And I think Aaron Rodgers even touched on it at one point saying, you know, it's, it's like having another quarterback out here running routes for me. Yeah. And that spoke volumes to me when you hear someone say that about a receiver. So I do think that that is a really big blow in the loss of Marcus Valdez. Scantling is nothing to scoff at either because he's always needed that guy to go over the top, to stretch things, to open things up for 10 yard outs and curl routes and slants for Devonte Adams. And now he doesn't have that. So it's going to be really interesting. I believe, do they bring in, um, what was the old Bills and then Chiefs receiver the last Sammy couple of Watkins. years? Sammy Watkins, right? Yeah. We haven't seen that guy be useful in six years, five years, I feel like. So I don't, I don't think that moves the needle very much. But if I had to guess, the Packers are going to, especially knowing Rodgers is getting a little bit older, they're going to transform the offense a little bit more and run the ball a lot more than we had 
been accustomed to seeing them in the in the last few years. And their defense should be still really good. Um, so even though I wouldn't put my money on the over, this is one where, like you with the Jags, that's kind of how I feel with this one. I think they finish with either 11 or 12 wins, and I don't know which side of it it is. So I, I'm reluctant to go either way on that one. Yeah, they're receiving core is Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and Christian Watson, who they drafted out of North Dakota State. So it's and the Randall Cobb signing, I mean, it was pretty clear, you know, Rogers fought to bring Cobb back last year. They mm-hmm. brought him back. And then I feel like the GM was probably like, see, I told you, Aaron, like Cobb is he's done. I mean, I hate to say he's right. a great guy. Everything I've ever read about him, he's an awesome nothing person, but his ability to play elite level football, I think is behind us. So that was really interesting that he's back with the team and I yeah. don't see him having much of an impact, but again, that's, it's definitely a tricky one for sure. Yeah. I think the, uh, the, Ve- the Vegas odd maker guys, like they love Aaron Rodgers. They think that he'll, he'll be able to just produce, uh, you know, a double digit wins with anybody. So I guess we'll see, but I definitely like the under on that one. All right. Well, so, speaking of Devonte Adams though, um, oh yeah, yeah. earlier, saw- earlier, it was just recently, right? Like last week, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. He came out think- and was quoted saying, anytime you go from a Hall of Fame quarterback to another Hall of Fame quarterback, it's going to be an adjustment. So we thought like, you know, when we started up the new segment, like it or love it, or excuse me, like it or leave it. And we were looking for outlandish takes. Mm-hmm. And that certainly checked some of those boxes. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you like what he said? Or are you just going to leave it alone? Well, at first I was like, after I heard it, I was like, wait, wait a minute. Has he played with another Hall of Fame quarterback outside Aaron Rodgers? And I went back and, and I was like, wait a minute. No, no, he was drafted by Green Bay. And he's only played with Green Bay. <laughs> so who is he? I was like, oh, it's Derek Carr. <laughs> it's Derek Carr. There's nothing against Derek Carr. It's nothing against, like, I think he's a great guy. I've seen him interviewed. He seems like a really, really solid good person, great teammate. And he had a hell of a year last year. I mean, he was great. So, but um, they're buddies. They've been buddies since college. Like they're great friends. Yeah. They played together at Fresno state. Right. So, you know, like he's hyping up his quarterback. He thinks Derek Carr is that good and, you know, good for him. I, I think it's a stretch to say Derek Carr. I think he's got a long way to go to get to Aaron Rodgers caliber quarterbacking. But uh, I mean, good for him. I, like I'm leaving it. I, I smiled because I was just like, you know, and I was like, I told you, I was like, dude, do you see this? Cause this is, this is wild, but that's a part of this segment is, you know, like when we see outlandish things, like we got to bring it to the attention and talk about it. But so yeah, like I'm leaving it. I, I think that's kind of crazy right now to talk about, but you know, I mean, like he's got, he's got some time. Uh, I think he needs he to win a couple. Time. I think he needs to win at least a super bowl. At least. And, um, but yeah, I mean, like, can you give me some of his numbers from last year? Like he was, he was really good. So he threw for over 4,800 yards last year, only 23 touchdowns, but they finished on the ground inside the red zone quite often. Um, and his red zone efficiency numbers weren't, uh, ideal, I guess I I would go with. Um, and he threw 14 picks, which was not, not great, but overall it was his best, best season of his career. The reason I kind of like it is over the years, I've seen a number of, of Raiders games with him at the helm and 
there were countless times that he showed to me uh, that that leadership quality that I want in a guy. And I think at times we've seen the flashes of the elite level talent. We might not have seen it consistently, but we know that he has the ability. We've seen it from time to time. And I love the intangibles. I love that he's willing to get guys fired up. And, it, you know, it, some of those qualities remind me of Tom Brady, Mr. TB12 himself. Um, obviously, I'm not comparing those two because that's just blasphemy. Um, but I think it's okay to acknowledge when you see certain traits that someone has in common with another player. And I have seen some of those same things. And also, when the game is tight late, time and again throughout his career, he stepped up and made big plays. But the Raiders' defense, don't forget, up until last year, they were probably a bottom six defense every year of his career. They were a stomping ground. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to win. I mean, just look at Jared Goff. He's with the Rams, and he goes to the Super Bowl. He goes to the Lions where there's no talent on the team, Mm -hmm. and they were three and 14. Um, Well, he goes from Sean McVay to Dan Campbell. Yeah, yeah, that that doesn't help. Dan Campbell, but Sean McVay is one of the best coaches. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it goes to show, like, Talent matters in this league. Um, And the Raiders, for the most part, did not have very much of it over the course of his career in with with uh, now Las Vegas with Oakland. He was drafted in 2014 starter right away. He's had at least 21 touchdowns every year of his career, except for once he had 19 back in 2018. Um, But, you know, he was thrown for 4000 yards. Before that became the every everyday norm. Now that's like a baseline number. Five thousand is really what you're shooting for for most guys nowadays, which is crazy. But that's just the way the, the league has changed. But yeah, I've seen enough from him. I'm not crazy enough to say he's a Hall of Famer or has a Hall of Fame resume right now because he clearly does not. But knowing the talent on this team currently, and the rhythm that he has with Devonte Adams and that familiarity, and that the talent level all across the field on offense to go with what should be an even better defense this year, adding Chandler Jones, one of the premier pass rushers in mm-hmm. football. You know, I think people are still, you know, they're ranking them fourth in that division because that division is so stacked. It might be the best division in the history of football. Our, you can make that argument. We've right. never had a division with four quarterbacks that good. Yeah. Um, don't, forget about, don't forget about Josh McDaniels, adding him in too. Yeah. Wow. That's true. Yeah. That that's yeah. a really solid point. Um, yeah. We've seen what he can do for years, and yeah. um, you know, I, I I really I believe in the Raiders. I don't think the ten and seven last year was a fluke, and I think they're going to be right back in the mix again this year. And if if like you said, if he's able to put a stellar campaign together, win a Super Bowl over the course of the next couple of years, and continue to br- produce at the level that he did last year, I think he could get there. What do you think it would take a Super Bowl and like an MVP or two MVPs? What do you think could get him in the Hall of Fame? I think one of each, a Super Bowl and an MVP. And knowing because of the the new era of just throwing the ball around the yard that we play in, the numbers will be there by the time he retires. Well, see, this is good because I wanted to ask you because I just saw it and I was like, I thought about it and I got excited and then I pumped the brakes because I was like, wait a minute. So... Now's the time to actually do it. Like he could win MVP. He's got the talent. He's got a good offensive coach. He, they have a better defense. They have a beautiful stadium to play in. I could see it. I could definitely see it. And I'm big on the Raiders. I just looked at their uh, win total, which is 
eight and a half wins. Yeah. And at first I was like, wait, wait, seriously, only eight and a half. And then I was like, oh, wait, they play in the AFC West. It's it's tough sledding out there. I mean, Jeez. they could go four and two, they could go two and four, they could go one and I mean, that, that division is going to be so hard to predict. And that's part of the reason why Buffalo is the prohibited favorite to come out of the AFC because they have the easiest path to a one seed. That yeah. whole Western division, they're just going to hammer each other all year long. Well, I'm going to say right now because I've been high on the Raiders ever since they got Chandler Jones. It's the guy I wanted for the 49ers. Like a pass rusher no one talks about, and the guy literally puts up double digit, high double-digit sacks every year. Every year. I'm hammering that over because I think the Raiders are going to be the, the, the number one seed in the AFC West. I firmly believe that. Oh, you I think, think they win the division? I think they're really good. I think it's going to be the Raiders, the Chargers, um, um, the Broncos. I'm putting the Chiefs last. I mean, I I honestly can say that I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs finish last, if the Chiefs finish first, if the Broncos finish last, if the Bron- like all four of those teams are are so stacked mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. And honestly, I think. Kansas City might be the least talented of the four. Yeah. Um, top to bottom on their roster. Right. Uh, the yeah, Chargers, you- I, think, I think the Chargers might be the most talented. Right. But because it's the Chargers, it's just so hard to back them and, and to pick them. Uh, Justin Herbert, I, I have like a little boy crush on that guy. Um, just watching what he's done since he's come into the league. Like, it's exciting to see. But yeah, yeah it's, it, this and year. Don't sleep, don't sleep on the Broncos, too. I mean, you have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton with Russell Wilson, and you have Javante Williams, who's going to be a monster this year. Melvin Gordon, they have a good defense with Patrick Sertan on the corner. He's like one of the best corners. Like, and you play at mile high, which is so hard to win there. Well, I wrote I wrote an article <laughs> projecting that division about a month ago mm-hmm. after the draft and all the trades and everything went down. And as of right now, that's who I'm picking to win the division is the Denver Broncos. Man, it's going to be really fun to see that division play out. It is. Wow. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So, all right. So, let's jump into a little NBA. So, last night, you said you got a notification late. I was getting ready for bed, and I got a notification from Woj. I was just like, hmm. And I looked down, and it was about Kevin Durant. And basically, um, it had something to do with the uh, Boston Celtics now. So they're, um, I guess Boston is in on Kevin Durant now. And uh, they're willing to give up Jalen Brown in a deal for Kevin Durant. When I saw that, I remember watching the finals with you. And Jalen Brown was like the best player in for the Celtics in that yep. series. Yes, he was. He's only about, what, 24 years old? 24 or 25. Two, yeah. two years left on his deal. Um, like I get the Kevin Durant intrigue, but I think this would be a huge mistake because it's not only Jalen Brown. It's been reported that they would give up Jalen Brown, Derek White, Marcus Smart, and possibly multiple first round picks. It's been reported. So, and I don't think Boston is wants to include Marcus Smart in that deal. Yeah, that's so, what I had read was that they were willing to part ways with Brown, Derek White, and the picks, but they didn't want to include Marcus Smart as well. Right. So as a Boston fan, I thought of you right away, and I was I texted you this morning, and I was like, I bet you're not happy about this. So please indulge me on your thoughts. <laughs> you know, at first, because obviously months ago, 
this this idea had already been contemplated by a lot of people out there, especially when there was all the the chatter when the Celtics were struggling. Can you know uh, Brown play with Tatum? Should we trade Brown? All that stuff. So, so that that thought of moving him had been something that the team had contemplated, and I internally had thought about many times. And to your point, he's still so young and so unbelievable, unbelievably talented and athletic, and he's such a good defender. You're almost never going to want to move a guy like that. And knowing that he and, and Tatum are growing together, my initial inclination was, no, we, we can't do that. But then as I lie there, unable to sleep last night, thinking about this, and at the end of the day, the NBA, and especially with the Boston Celtics and knowing the rivalry with the Los Angeles Lakers, it's always a battle to see who's going to win the most. Both teams have 17 championships right now. The Celtics have only, they only got one with KG Pearson Allen. They should have had two, but they only got one. And that's the only title that they've had in this century. I think I might actually entertain that. It is a lot. I don't know if I would necessarily part ways with smart, because that's reliant on Brogdon to come in and have to be. I mean, he's capable of doing it. And then you'd look at what Tatum, Brogdon, and and KD with some role players. But I don't know if that's any better than the depth that this Celtics team has right. now. I, know. I mean, after the offseason moves that they made, Danilo Gallinari as their ninth best player on the team, I feel like because they were so close to winning a title last year and they clearly improved already from last year, I'd, I'd, I'd want to see what this team can do, even though it is still enticing. The idea of Kevin Durant, I mean, he's one of the 15, 20 greatest players of all time. Some people have him top 10. I don't, but I have him in my top 20. Um, and it's, you know, adding a piece like that is not something you have to, at the very least, think long and hard about it. I mean, how often do you get to trade for a player like Kevin Durant? Has four years left on his deal. I mean, like we had Brian Windhorst on the Rich Eisen show this morning, and he said that this deal just doesn't come around often at all to have a player. It's not like the Paul George where he uh, didn't have a ton of years left and Kawhi Leonard only signed like a one-year deal with the Raptors. And Kevin Durant has a four-year deal. But, I mean, the injuries. I mean, he's got, like, how old is he? 34? He'll be 34. And he had, what, the Achilles from a couple of years ago. Right. And he had, was it an ankle this year? It cost him like a month and change or Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's And the injuries are definitely creeping up. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, like, I'm... I mean, you're taking away a lot of depth. I mean, you're starting, yeah. I mean, just like you said, you're starting five would be Brogdon, Durant, Tatum, Time Lord, and Horford with a bench of Danilo Gallinari, Grant Williams, and that Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. 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 No, I but, mean that. But maybe they do that and maybe they get some, you know, some vet minimums. That you could get I like a wonder, Marcus Keith Morris or something off the... I almost wonder if part of the posturing and the negotiation is to try to also detract KD from Miami. Because once Phoenix 
signed or once um, DeAndre Ayton signed his offer sheet with Phoenix, essentially taking them out of the the KD sweepstakes. Right. The Miami Heat were the team that most people believed would be the ones to land Kevin Durant. And if you had KD with Jimmy Butler and knowing they pushed us to seven last year without hero anyway. So if they deal him, so be it. That's going to be a really tough team for this Celtic squad to beat. So I almost wonder if, you know, maybe that's part of the tactic here from the Celtics, even if they don't go through with it, it's stalling conversations elsewhere. And then maybe it allows some other team to come in and buys them time to come in and land a deal. Well, I think the Miami Heat probably, I think the Brooklyn Nets, it like it makes sense because they're talking about like Tyler Hero is in the deal, Tyler Hero. I think the Nets probably want Bam out of bio. That's probably who I think they want. And the Heat are like, no. So that's probably who they want because it doesn't like, sure, you get Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and picks for Kevin Durant. It's like, mm, I think that's you want to not even close yeah. to the packages what Boston was offering. Even right. But Brooklyn probably wants Tyler Hero, Bam out of Bayou, Duncan Robinson, and like three, four first round picks. That's probably yeah. what they want. Yeah. So, you know, um, I get it from, from Boston's side, but I do also think that like what Tatum and Brown had together, like kind of showcased Tatum as being like the star of that team. So if you bring Kevin Durant in, does that kind of ruin Tatum's progression as being like the man in Boston? Because he'd have to take a step back to Durant because Durant's not going to be the second guy. Yeah. So, you know, like, I don't know. And I feel bad for Jason Tatum too, because it's just like, I mean, he's always been floated around in rumors and it's. Oh, you mean Jalen Brown? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Who did I say? Tatum. Uh, No, uh, Jalen Brown. Like he's been thrown around and he put a shake in my head tweet when ESPN reported that he was in a deal. So, you know, like I know it's part of the business, but as a player, it, it can't feel good to know that you're being shopped and, um, I mean, for me personally, like if I was a player and I knew I was being shopped, I, I mean, it wouldn't feel good, especially when you went to the finals and and you were the team's best player in the finals. Yeah, it's a sign of just disrespect. But I know I it's agree, and I almost it's one of those things in sports too, where I wonder when when these negotiations are going on, how are Windhorse and some of these guys like if I'm the organization and or the agent? I guess mm-hmm. the information's got to be coming from the agent, right? Right. Yeah leak that information mm-hmm. out there yeah. that way you express other interest yeah. and it must be with the understanding from the team you're negotiating with. They must fully understand that like this is going to get out. Right. And you just have to be okay with it and hope that your player isn't too butthurt. And the thing about it is, is based on these players responses, they seem completely in the dark because you know, like this stuff comes out and then, Unless they're just sending cryptic tweets, you know, that all fans like just eat up. But like some of these guys don't even know. They're like they find from find out from Woj. So you think that like their agents would keep them in the loop of what's happening, but I don't know. But um I mean like we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm sure we'll uh we'll be talking about that next week. Um but as far as this week goes, uh it's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff to take in. But um going forward, you know, like we're getting into another week of uh uh, a long summer with uh, no football and and no hockey, no basketball. So um, we're going to definitely get into talking about more football stuff, obviously talking about that training camp um, and who's doing what and who's saying what. But uh, maybe we can get into maybe some future uh, rookie of the year 
uh, projections on who we like, um, MVP projections. We could also talk about division winners because I know we did talk about um, the uh, AFC West on who we like. I like the Raiders. You like the Broncos. So it would be cool to kind of go, you know, maybe a couple divisions at a time and talk about why we like who team and look at schedule and see how that could play out. So we have a lot of stuff to uh, to get into over the next three, four weeks. But, uh, but football, man, football is here. It's, it's going to be here before you know it. And uh, we'll definitely keep you updated on uh, on all the NBA stuff because you never know. You know, you got to wait for that Woj or Shams tweet and then the whole yep. NBA blows That's up. But, what we live in nowadays. Exactly. But uh, yeah, man, great show. Really, really fun. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thanks for listening and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.